So don't forget, next Sunday, if you show up at 9.30, you'll be blessed. Now, uh, Saturday night, we start at 5. So if you uh, try to come at 6, you'll be here in time to give your offering and say goodbye. So that's fine. Uh, but uh, Saturdays are 5, Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. So things should be, it'll be fun and exciting. Turn to the book of Proverbs with me, if you would, please. Proverbs chapter 12, as we continue on the uh, Get Smart series regarding wisdom. Uh, let me share with you a couple of wise sayings that did not make it into the Proverbs. Light travels faster than sound. That's why some people appear bright until you hear them speak. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Dolphins are so smart that within a few weeks of captivity, they train people to stand on the very edge of the pool and throw them fish. It's amazing, just amazing. Why do Americans choose from just two people to run for president and 50 for Miss America? amazing, just amazing. Some cause happiness wherever they go, others whenever they go. Think about that one. There's a fine line between cuddling and holding someone down so they can't get away. And a bus is a vehicle that runs twice as fast when you are after it as when you are in it. Things to think about, but not for very long. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of words. I, uh, I, I came to grips with a word that uh, I had talked to a pastor friend of mine some time ago, and we, we were talking about the power of declaring things. To declare is to speak with confidence, is to make a statement of truth or fact with, uh, again, with courage and confidence. And I, what I want you to do this morning is I want you to listen carefully to what I want to share with you, but I want you really to begin to apply this entire message to how you pray, to how we pray. And uh, I want to show you some things in the book of Proverbs out of chapter 12. And then I'm going to take the word declare, D-E-C-L-A-R-E, <clears throat> and share with you seven principles that will revolutionize your prayer life, because they've, they've done some amazing things for me uh, as I've considered the power of this. And so uh, let's take a look at Proverbs <clears throat> chapter 12, verse 14. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things. As surely as the work of his hands rewards him. Then down to verse 18, says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then verse 19, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Those are declarations of truth. The entire Bible is a declaration of truth. There's not a lie in here. It's all the truth. And I want you to understand something about the power of declaring things. 
in, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, it says that as you read that story, it talks about all the different languages that the, spe that the people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit began to speak in. They spoke in a variety of languages. And then there's a, a little phrase at the end of that, when the people began to ask questions, what's going on here? Why are these people all speaking in languages they've never learned? What's, what's going on here? And then they said, the unbelievers said, these people are declaring the wonders of God. They were declaring the wonders of God. This is what I want you to begin to get a hold of in regards to how you pray. How many of you have ever prayed whiny prayers? Know what I'm talking about? Oh, God, I'm going to die. I can't take this anymore. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you ever prayed that way? I did once. God slapped me. No, that's not true. But see, those kinds of prayers focus on the problem. Jesus never focused on a problem. He made declarations of truth and the answer, the answer. When we understand the power of a declared word, we are going to, it's going to revolutionize how you pray. It's going to change your life. And there's a process. I believe there are some principles that we need to follow. Number one, the, letter, the first letter D is the word decide. A decision has to be made. I, none of you have ever, you know, just accidentally started praying, right? You're just talking, and then all of a sudden you're praying. That doesn't happen. You make a decision to pray. You decide that you're going to get connected with God. You decide that you're going to acknowledge Him. You make a decision. You made a decision to come here this morning. You will make a decision to uh, go someplace to eat. You're going to make decisions. You make decisions all the time. But the, to declare the word of God, to declare power, to declare a word of wisdom requires, number one, the decision. A decision is an act of lining up your will with the will of God. Now, what's the will of God? It's very easy. Paul wrote it in, the, in Thessalonians, I think, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, I believe it is. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Joy, rejoice, pray, and be grateful, be thankful. The two things that I have learned probably more than in the last few years than anything else is this. God wants two things from us, trust and gratitude. Trust him and be grateful. Make a decision. You have to make a decision to line your will up with the will of God. Now, how many of you think that God's will is for you to suffer and go through horrible times? I don't think so. I think that's the devil's will. I think that's his will. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Amen? God's will is for us to become disciplers, for us to become, as I shared a few weeks ago, emancipators. Our job is to go around and set people free. Amen? That's what we do. But I have to make that decision. I have to decide to do that. Once I make the decision to line my will up with the will of God, I now have to do the letter E. 
I have to expect that a result is coming. I have to make an expectation. Don't, I need you to stop praying, dear God, I don't think this is going to work, but could you help me anyway? Dear God, I, I know this is a crazy idea, but could, maybe we could try it. That is an expectation for failure. To expect means that our faith comes into action and it leads to an expectation of results. I'm going to share with you some illustrations from Scripture, and I want you to begin to think right now about the woman with the issue of blood that fought her way through the crowd to get a hold of the, hand of the, the hem of Jesus' garment because she followed this declaration process. So I'm gonna, I want to get through this real quick, and then I want to come back and show you how this works in, all the different, in a variety of scenarios. The letter C is to commit. We then move in response to a desired outcome. We make a step of faith and start moving. We make a commitment. We make a decision. We expect a good result, and now we make a move. If I don't make a move, then nothing's going to happen. Nothing can happen if I don't step out in faith and I don't make a move. The letter L, let go. We refuse to doubt, fear, worry, or fail to believe and put our clock away. We refuse to fear, doubt, be an unbeliever, and worry. I, you know, I, how many Christians, their, one of their favorite worship songs must be Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And then we come to the pastor and say, Pastor, can you help me? And I'd have to be honest with you. No, I can't. You have to let go of all that junk. Let go of the fear, the doubt, the unbelief, and the worry. The enemy is just committed to helping you shut down. The word I can't should not exist in your vocabulary as a Christian. I found out the hard way in gym class that can't is not acceptable in junior high. One of the, one of the most horrendous things that they ever asked us to do was to climb the rope to the ceiling of the gym. What evil, sinful, crazy person designed that? Who said that? Heather? Yeah, be quiet. I think we had one kid in the whole class that could actually climb up there. First of all, I, I, why would I want to go up there? So that I could possibly fall back down and kill myself? No. But at climbing that rope was craziness. It was just nuts. And the gym teacher, you know, and we would say, all the guys would say, Sir, Mr. Powell, we can't do this. There is no such word as can't. You will try it. All right, fine. Ooh, okay, that's all I can do. And I was a little bit lighter back then. But still, I mean, you know, a couple of hands up, and it's like, yeah, that ain't happening. Because the ceiling was as, was as high as that beam up there. And we were supposed to climb up there on a rope and then climb back down. Not going to happen. This wasn't going to happen. But he refused to accept the word can't. If you don't try, then change that word to won't. Don't tell me you can't. Because you don't know you can't until you try. 
And we need to understand that we have to let go of the can'ts in our lives and begin to establish the fact that, let me think a minute here. Oh, there's a verse somewhere that says, I can do all, what? Through who? Is that in the Bible? How many of you believe that's the truth? Okay, then don't, don't live like it's not. Amen? We have to let go of all that negative junk because it will not get us through. The letter A, we acknowledge. We verbally now declare the answer to the need and God's power to meet it. We acknowledge that the Word of God is the truth. Do you realize that when you come into a service here at Christian Life and Leanne begins to lead us in worship, what is she doing? She is acknowledging the fact that God, his glory is over all the world, he's holy. Every worship song is a declaration of truth. Leanne has never, to my knowledge, is she, where is she? Leanne, you have never that I know of led us in a song that was not the truth. Good. I was hoping that illustration would die if you didn't say that. She has never led us in anything that was not the truth. Why is worship so important? Because it sets us into a position where when we hear the Word of God, we can receive it, believe it, and take it out there and make it happen. That's why we worship. It's a declaration, it's a preparation to declare God's power in our own lives. And that's what worship is all about. There are angels right now that are doing nothing but simply saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. They are constantly declaring the holiness of God. That's what they do. That's their job. What an awesome job that would be. And the Bible says that every moment God will then share a new truth about himself and these angels will then go into another round of worship. It's part of the declaration. You have to understand that when you, are fi when you find yourself in a difficult situation, when you hear bad news, when you hear a problem, when you are faced with a financial issue, when you are faced with any kind of a problem in your life, worship God. You don't need to tell God about the problem. Guess what? He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's got it already on, the t on his radar. We spend way too much time explaining things to God. That's ridiculous. Do you believe that God knows everything? Then why is it that we sometimes will pray and say, Dear God, I've got a big problem. And we're expecting God to go, oh, Really? How did that happen? Well, God, let me tell you. I was, you know, I was doing this and this, and we did this and that, and then this happened and that happened, and, and God, and, and like God sitting there going, that's unbelievable. I never, I, where was I? I had no idea this was going on in your life. We don't need to tell God all that information. We need to speak to the issue, acknowledge God's power in our lives and begin to speak the answer to the problem. I'm going to show you how this works in just a second. Hold on. R. Then receive the answer with great joy and begin to share it. 
receive the answer. And then finally, the letter E is enjoy. That's where our strength comes from. Enjoy. How many of you have, have received a blessing from the Lord sometime in your life? Did you enjoy that? Did you tell somebody that you enjoyed it? Because that bugs the life out of the devil. He hates that. He just hates it. And I love doing things that the devil hates. Amen? We really need to get a hold of that. Now, I want you to take this whole scenario and come with me to several stories, in the New, one, one in particular in the New Testament. One in the Gospels, one actually in the Acts. The woman with the issue of blood. She had been to doctor after doctor. She had got, all of her money was spent. She didn't know what to do, and, and she heard about Jesus. She had heard some stories about Jesus, and so one day she makes a decision to go and touch the hem of his garment. That's all she wanted to do. She didn't want to schedule an appointment. She didn't want to, all she didn't want to do was just touch his clothes. If I touch it, that's all I need. In her mind, that decision was going, to, was going to generate her healing because that's what she expected. Her expectation level was now increased. If I could touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. He's a healer. He's a miracle worker. I know that if I could touch him, I expect to be healed. She then made a commitment. I'm sure she went through the normal routine of that morning and got herself prepared and so on and so forth. And then she began to find out. She, she probably asked a few people, where is he going to be? Where is he going to be? Where is Jesus going to be? Where is he going to be? I know he's going to be in this area. There's going to be a crowd of people there. I don't care. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I will climb over. I will climb through. I will crawl under. I will do whatever it takes so that I can grab a hold of the hem of his garment. I'm going to get there. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to get healed because I've had enough of the pain and the suffering and the separation of being a woman marked in that culture as unclean, unworthy, untouchable. I'm going to do whatever it takes. She then had to let go of the fear. What will people think? The doubt. Well, what if I get through to him, touch him, and nothing happens? She had to let that go. The worry. What, what are people going to say? What are people going to do? What if, what, if, what if they don't let me through? What if, they, what if, what if, what? Have you ever gone through the what ifs? You need to throw those away too. Those are a waste of time. What ifs? She let go of all of that. And the unbelief. Jesus won't. Jesus is busy. Jesus is important. Jesus won't talk to you. Jesus won't stop. Jesus won't do anything for you. The devil is lying to her the whole time. She is fighting her way through that crowd. And as she crawls and gets closer and closer, she acknowledges the fact that if I, to, if I touch him, if I touch that cloth, the power of God will come into my life, and I know, I know that my answer will come. And then what happened? She made it through. She made it through. She worked her way. She may have been on her hands and knees part of the way. She fought her way through that. And then she reached out. And she was there. And she got a hold of it. 
she touched it. And I bet she squeezed it just as hard as she possibly could. She had arrived at her, at her answer. And as she touched it, the very power of God, the Holy Spirit anointing power of God began to flow through that piece of cloth into her hand and it's coursed through her body and every piece of disease that was in there probably left screaming. Healed! Healed! And she let go and she backed away and then she heard Jesus say, who touched me? And now she thought, oh, I'm, now I'm in trouble. Now I've done it. And Jesus, then I'm sure, you know, and the disciples being the geniuses that they were, said, who touched you? Jesus, really? We're surrounded by 500 who knows how many people, and you're asking, who touched you? You've been bounced and, and jostled around in this crowd? I don't know, pick somebody. They've all touched you. No, somebody touched me. Because I felt virtue flow out of my being into that person. And then I believe Jesus saw, found her, raised her probably to her feet, and said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. You've received what you came for, and now go enjoy. No longer untouchable, no longer unclean, no longer sick, well, healed and able to now enjoy life. Why? Because somewhere in her life, she made the declaration, I am going to touch Jesus, and I am going to be well. Come with me to the, uh, with Paul and Silas. They are in, uh, they're in some city, that just escapes me. They're in jail. Pastor, help me out here. Philippi, yes, thank you. They're in Philippi. They've been preaching. They've caused some problems. They're severely beaten. They're thrown into a prison. And there they sit in the darkness, in the stench, in the probably heat, in this horrendous place. Now, how many of you, if you found yourself in that place, you had done some great things for God and you were misrepresented, you were lied upon, you were just, every, everything possible went wrong, and you found yourself in a jail, what was, what's the first thing you would probably ask God? What? Why am I here? Like God would go, I don't know, I just don't like you that much. I'm, you're just annoying. I wanted to put you in jail for a while just because I thought it would be fun. Angels and I up here are having a good laugh, and, you know, we think it's pretty funny. Abs no, no. Paul, we do not have any indication that Paul and Silas sat there going, why are we here? What, did we, what is going on here? Instead, they began to declare the wonders of God. The Bible tells us they began to worship. They began to sing and praise God and worship Him. And what happened? You see, when you begin to declare the truth of God, let's, let's take a look at this. They made a decision not to pray and ask God to explain their situation. 
God doesn't do explanations. He does revelations. They expected God to come and meet them, just to encourage them. They, didn't, they, were not, they did not expect him to bust open the prison. That was a surprise to them. They committed to continuing to worship. They let go of any doubt, fear, unbelief, and worry. They acknowledged God. They received that reward or the answer to their prayer, and they began to enjoy. They were set free. The prison doors broke open. The shackles fell from them. Rather than running out of that place, they stayed there so that they could lead that jailer to Christ and probably impact all the rest of the prisoners there as well. You see, situations that come up in our lives, we have to understand something about them. They are brought into our lives or allowed to come into our lives so that we might declare truth over them. A few weeks back, uh, there's a brother that's always here on Saturday nights. And he, uh, after the service, came up and said, Pastor Fred, could you pray for me? And uh, he had, his medication was giving him a rash or something, you know, so some, some issue. But he had leukemia. And I, you know, the Lord just, again... You see, when you begin to declare truth, the anointing will come over you. And as I began to pray over him, I began to declare life and health. I made declarations of truth over this man's life. And, I be, and, and the, the Spirit of God just became so real. And I, I just decided, you know, cancer, you have no place in this. I curse you, get out of here. And in Jesus' name, be healed. The next Saturday, he comes back and says, Pastor Fred, Pastor Fred, my blood counts are all completely down. Leukemia is gone. What? What? He stands now as another one of the amazing cancer survivors in our church. Rex is one. Candace is one. Others that, that God has touched and healed you. And, you know, and you're probably going to say, well, Pastor Fred, you know, explain to me why some people are healed and other people are not and all that. That's not my job. I don't understand that. That is God's sovereign decision. He makes those decisions. My, our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ is to declare the wonders of God, declare the truth of God, declare the righteousness of God, declare his power, declare what's going on, begin to declare things, begin to declare your unsaved loved ones saved. Declare truth over them. Stop praying for people and explaining to God how bad or how stupid or how whatever they are. God already knows that. They know it too. Begin to speak to the issue. In Jesus' name, I declare you free from your habits, free from your addictions, free from your, you know, speak the truth and watch what happens. Let it begin to move by the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't need an explanation. He knows. Let him know that you acknowledge him, that you acknowledge his power, and you'll see some amazing things happen. The men that, let, that, that let, let the man through the roof. Let's look at what Jesus said in that situation. They dug a hole in the roof. They let this crippled man down on, on you know, ropes and, a, and his uh, blanket or whatever. 
He came down into the midst of that house. The Pharisees were waiting to see what was going to happen. Jesus' first words to him, he, he, Jesus declared to him eternal salvation. He said, today your sins are forgiven you. Time out. Jesus, you don't have authority to do that. Well, I just did it. I just did it. And to prove to you that I have that kind of authority, watch this. All he said was, take up your bed and walk. Just do it. He spoke the answer. He did not pause and say, now God, this man is really sick. No kidding. What should I do? Speak the truth over this man's situation. Take up your bed and walk. Come with me to the temple gates. Peter and John are going up to pray, remember? And they get to the gate of that temple. And they had probably seen this man who'd been laid there. He was laid there every day. He'd been crippled all of his life. Notice, the, notice what happens. The man is looking for money. Reaches out, normal, what normal beggars do. And Peter and John, this time, stop. And they, what do they tell him? We don't have any silver or gold. We're pastors. We're broke. Not true. We don't have any money. But what we do have, we're going to give you. They did not stop and then explain to God how, how crippled this man was, did they? Did they? They took him by the hand. You're right, Gina. They took him by the hand and said, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we're going to give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. This man had never walked. And what did he do? What's the Bible say happened? He jumped up and freaked out. That's the Pastor Fred version. He jumped, it says, leaping and jumping and praising God. He's running around. How many of you would like to see some of that kind of stuff happen? Do you know what limits us? We're not declaring the truth. We're not declaring the word of God. We're allowing circumstances to dictate to us things that we can and cannot do. Where's that in the Bible? I take you to the uh, temptation of Jesus. I love this story. Forty days, Jesus has been fasting. The devil shows up and makes this brilliant deduction. You're probably hungry, aren't you, Jesus? No, I always go 40 days without eating. It's not a problem. He says, you're obviously hungry. Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? And Jesus' response was, Heavenly Father, I am really hungry. I mean, that's, you know, that's the truth. I'm just dying here. And, you know, me, for me to turn these rocks into bread, that would be nothing. You know, that would be pretty simple. So, uh, what do you think, you know, should I... 
should I not, uh, should I listen to the devil or should I continue to follow you or, you know, what, I don't know what to do here. What should I do? Was that Jesus' prayer? Absolutely not. He responded by a declaration of truth into the enemy's mind, as tiny as it is. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you're not getting this into your heart, if you're not becoming wise by understanding the truth that you need to declare, you've got to get started. You've got to get on that. Because if you know the word of God and begin to declare it, it will change the way you pray. The second temptation he comes to, he says, Jesus, come here, let's go to the top of the temple. Let's take a look and see. You know what? Jesus, if you throw yourself off of this temple, the angels are going to catch you. You're going to be fine. You have nothing to worry about. The angels will come and get you, and it'll be just perfect. And Jesus goes, yeah, actually, yeah, they are kind of assigned to do that. They they better do that. Heavenly Father, what should I do here? I don't know what to do. I know, you know what, could you check with the angels? Make sure the angels are watching. You know, if I do decide to take this dive, I want to make sure they're listening. I want to make sure they catch me. You know, I, I, I don't want to hurt myself. No. None of that. There was no wondering. It was immediate response. Again, a declaration of the truth of God where he simply says, you will not tempt the Lord God. You will not tempt the Lord God. Just ain't going to happen. And then finally he says, here comes Shaw, I'll show you the kingdoms of the world. He shows him the kingdoms of the world, says, all this is yours if you worship me. Jesus didn't have a second thought. He immediately said, you will worship God and him alone will you serve. Devil, go away. You failed. Get lost. Understand the power of this declared word. It changes people's lives. It transforms things in our lives. We've got to get a hold of this. We've got to get a hold of this declaration power that we have. It works. The centurion understood how it worked. He even told Jesus, said, Jesus, my daughter is sick, but you don't have to come because you have the authority to say the word and she'll be healed. Sure enough, Jesus spoke the word, boom, the little girl was healed. It's how it works. Can it work in the natural? I mean, these are Bible stories. Of course, everything works great in the Bible, right? Everything always works in the Bible. Well, what about this? General Ron Griffith served in the U.S. Army during Desert Storm in Iraq. As the battle neared, Griffith was apprehensive about how many casualties the 24,000 troops he commanded would suffer. In the New Man magazine, Gene Bradley and Wes uh, Pippert write, Griffith had estimated between 1,000 and 2,000 casualties during a war that might last between four and six months. After all, the Iraqis on paper probably outnumbered the American forces two or even three to one. Worse, the intelligence showed the Iraqis had moved chemical weapons into position and Hussein had given his commanders authority to use them. A Christian... Griffith spoke about his concerns with Chaplain Dan Davis. Let me tell you something, Davis said. Before we left Germany, we had a prayer group that met every morning in Stuttgart as the war drew near. We prayed there would be no war. 
But once it became certain there would be war, we prayed that the air war might be successful and that we would not have to put our ground forces into this potential cauldron. We prayed that God's will be done, whatever it was. Now I want to tell you something that is not an instinct. This is an intuition. It is full assurance from God. I can tell you the attack will be hugely successful, more successful than anybody has envisioned. The war will be short, very short, and casualties will be few, very, very few. This man, this chaplain, made a declaration based on his time in prayer with God. Here's what happened. Until this conversation, Griffith had not finished his work before 1.30 a.m. every night. Even when he went to bed, he couldn't sleep. I kept thinking about casualties, he recalls. Am I doing everything I can to assure they have the best chance possible to get through this thing? Have we thought of everything? I thought about the number of people I would have to send back in body bags to their mothers, fathers, spouses. But after his talk with uh, Chaplain Davis, Griffith went back to his van, zipped up his sleeping bag, and slept for five hours, the best night's sleep he'd had in six weeks. A great sense of calm fell over him. I felt God's presence with me. I took Dan's words as absolute truth. More important, that great calm stayed with me. General Norman Schwarzkopf wanted the Iraqis to believe that the Americans would attack straight ahead into Kuwait. So the decision was made for Griffith's 1st Armored Division as part of the U.S. 7th Corps to move far to the west and then sweep north and then east in a hooking movement that would catch the Republican Guard from the rear. The Americans attacked on February 24, 1991. The war was over in four days. Thousands were not killed, nor hundreds. Only four soldiers lost their lives. Was it a miracle? Griffith says, absolutely yes. The power of declaration is, is real. It's just real. And I want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you in how you need to begin to direct your ability to pray. How to approach it. How to think about it. Make a decision. Expect a result. Commit to it. Let go of the fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. Acknowledge God. Receive the answer. And then enjoy it. Just enjoy it. I've given you example after example of how this works. Can it work? How many of you believe this could work in your life? I'm convinced of it. I'm just convinced of it. I've seen it. And I'm not talking about, you know, dumb faith stuff. You know, I'm not talking about standing in your driveway going, Mercedes, 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 Mercedes. And then God, you know, just that, I'm not talking about magic. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives in such a way that it transforms people around us. Pastor Darrell has mentioned in staff meeting and different things, and I think he even talked about it last Sunday, that we are living in probably the greatest hour and opportunity the church has ever known. Because I think we, God is getting ready to wrap this thing up. 
There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be revival. There's going to be people coming to Christ. There are going to be people saved because God is not interested in taking a handful to heaven. I believe he wants to clear the planet. And now we become partners in that as we declare the truth into the hearts and lives of people. There's an old song I want to share with you real quick before we go and pray. It goes like this. Why should I be discouraged? Why should the shadows fall? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. So let not your heart be troubled, these tender words I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. For by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If there's a need in your life today and you're positioned for a miracle, you could use a miracle. Your life, a family member's life, I just want you to stand right now. I'm going to agree with you in prayer. Could be healing, could be financial issues, could be Decisions that need to be made. Could be, could be anything. So I'm just going to believe with you now. Heavenly Father, I've, just, I've shared what you laid on my heart. I believe that with all of my heart that you desire us as your kids to live overcoming lives. Not comfortable lives, overcoming lives. 
Lives that would become an example to the, the hundreds and thousands of hurting people that we come in contact every single day. So, Father, anoint us this morning. Anoint us with an understanding that we can declare truth. We can declare life. We can declare health. We can declare provision. We can declare wisdom into the very lives of the people that we are in contact with. God, there are unsaved loved ones that have been prayed for for a long time. I declare in Jesus' name their salvation to come to pass in the next several days or a month, whenever, God, your timetable. I declare the opening of the windows of heaven, God, as people begin to, to declare with their finances, they declare their faith with their tithe, God, they declare their faith in you, acknowledge your provision, and God, see you work miracles in their finances because they have decided to declare with a checkbook, declare with a credit card, declare with cash, declare, God, that you're touching and ministering to them through their financial situation. I declare wisdom in the lives of these, your precious children. Wisdom, wisdom and courage to make the decisions, to speak the word that the Holy Spirit lays on their heart, not that they come up with on their own, but that the Holy Spirit anoints them with, God. For that will be a word of truth and power, not an opinion, God, but the truth of the Almighty God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you, God, that our church, these, your people, we're never going to be the same. We are going to begin to pray. We're going to see things happen that we only dreamed of, that we thought were not even possible but, Father, with you, all things are possible. All things are possible. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may think I'm nuts, and that's just fine. I just shared with you the Bible. Amen. I believe that if it'll work in here, it'll work in here. Amen? I want you to repeat after me the blessing. We're going to change it up just a little bit. Here's how it goes. The Lord bless me. The Lord, and keep me. The Lord make his face shine upon me. And be gracious to me. The Lord turn his face toward me. And give me peace. We're one week closer to heaven. Do not go by yourself. Amen. Do not go by yourself. Hallelujah. All right. God bless you. I'm exhausted. Oh. Have an awesome day. God bless you. We'll see you.